Hey, for the next three weeks, we are going to be taking some time to look at our church in general. And this Sunday, Rory Yates is going to be preaching um, on Romans chapter 8. But in particular, he's going to be looking at something that he is going to be implementing into um, a lot of our uh, discipleship and life of the church. For those of you that don't know Rory, Rory is serving our church as the director of discipleship. So a lot of the background stuff that goes into community groups and um, of some of the other things that we're doing. Rory is really the brain behind it, and we're working together. And I know that um, he is very passionate about um, this root and fruit uh, model. So if you guys look on your chairs, there should be pieces of paper, and Rory will be talking about that. But just have that available to you, but Rory's going to be doing that. But I, I, I just want you to know that, I mean, a lot of you know Rory, most of you know Rory, so I, he needs no, like, true introduction. But one of the things that I, I feel so blessed by is to have someone in our church who, who really gets who we are and seeks to um, impress it into all of our lives. This is not a, a church with, with one voice. It's not just me. It's multiple voices helping one another bring, bring glory to God. Um, through people following after him. So, uh, Rory, why don't you come up here and you get to preach. Um, we're looking forward to it. It's very humbling. Uh, and, uh, yeah, hum- humbling to be up here. I, I love getting a chance to uh, man, be part of uh, this community, this family. And, and uh, my wife, Shannon, and I, who's, we're split squad today. Uh, so we got a couple sick kids at home. And, uh, but we, we just, we are, we are blessed uh, to be uh, part of uh, this community, what the Lord is doing, and um, yeah, honored that we get to start uh, the new year uh, off uh, looking at the hope that we get to look at. So, uh, happy, new happy New Year. For Presbyterians, that was not that was too bad. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. And so, yeah, I mean, maybe it's, uh, we're, we're riding the Razorback high, right? So, inflation's out of control, and, you know, we're about to speak Mandarin, and, and who knows what the next variant is, but the hogs won. So, right, all is, all is right with the world. Uh, but, uh, no, I was, I was talking with John Mark uh, a, a little bit ago, and uh, just even in that conversation, realizing, like, how much I love this week of the year. But post-Christmas, we've, we've been together with family, we've celebrated uh, I mean, the, the real root of our identity and our hope, and then we have kind of this week of kind of nothingness where you kind of get to evaluate what you've enjoyed, start kind of looking forward to, to what's ahead, and, and then kind of, you know, okay, let's set our feet and, and, and let's go. So obviously this is, you know, New Year's resolution time, so kind of curious, who, who here is a resolution person? Who's, who set a resolution? Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Clearly, we are are are. That was our Presbyterian hands. Who's who's who who set a resolution this year? Okay. Obviously, then we are leaning hard into the sovereignty of God, and uh, uh, that's a totally different d- d- debate for 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 later. Wow. Like so, that's uh, actually you're way below uh, the national average. Uh, I love uh, resolutions. Um, actually, they're called goals in the full focus planner system that that uh, I'm a dev- devotee of. Uh, but uh, being a nerd, uh, I-, I love to know where things come- came from. So this whole like resolution thing has been around for about 4,000 years when it comes to human history. Kind of first started in Babylon. Uh, not really necessarily like personal New Year's resolution. More about like, um, y- you know, remembering that I got to give my plow uh, back to, uh, you know, Hammurabi down the street. 
um, you know, but, but was it a, a taking stock of what I have and doing the right thing with what I got? And there's a, a little hint of that also in Roman culture. Janus is the, was the god of new beginnings, and so the beginning of the year, I would promise to do something new. Um, but an interesting little factoid is that this uh, tradition of, uh, of, of, of New Year's resolutions really is ours as uh, uh, Presbyterians, really is ours uh, as uh, uh, Protestants. Uh, it wasn't until the Protestant cultures uh, of, you know, the, the 14, 15, 1600s started to come about with the Reformation uh, that New Year's resolutions started to become a thing. And it was all really couched in the belief that's really core to uh, one of the things that God was doing in the church at the time, uh, which is the understanding of the you know, big theology word, the priesthood of the believer. That each and every one of us has a role and a responsibility as followers of Jesus uh, to know him, make him known, and bring his kingdom to earth. So you begin the year going, how is God going to use me this year uh, so that I pursue Jesus more and bring him to more people? That's where the New Year's resolution came from, was from those cultures. Now, obviously, uh, you know, we're heirs to that. It's become something uh, drastically different uh, in uh, American culture, where it's more about me getting more money and losing weight and, you know, f- you know finding the love of my life or, you know, w- whatever, you know, is going to be good for me. But it, it came from our heritage, which is kind of cool. Uh, some interesting things kind of about where New Year's has become. You can't, you know, turn on the Internet without seeing some kind of statistical study, right, about New Year's resolutions. I think everybody knows, which is why we had the Presbyterian hands and three people going, you know, I'm going to set a resolution. Uh, usually you've got about an 8 to 12% chance of actually keeping your resolution, which the futility of it all uh, maybe is what kind of has us where uh, we are at. Another interesting statistic is that actually uh, the tendency to set resolutions declines drastically as you get older. I thought that's pretty interesting. Uh, so looks like uh, uh, those of us who are under 30 uh, make resolutions at about a 63% clip. But in 15 years, those who are over 45, only 37% um, of over 45-year-olds set resolutions. So those 15 years are key either because you figure it all out and you don't need any more improvement, or you just give up because all is lost. So I'm, I'm 43, I've got two more years to figure it out, and I think I know exactly uh, kind of where I'm at because I actually didn't uh, raise my hand yet. I still got to get along with Michael Hyatt. So, uh, but he- here's the deal. The interesting thing, even in this culture today where I'm a snowflake and I'm great and I follow my heart and and I can do nothing wrong, what really is underneath this New Year's resolution, if we get quiet enough and honest with ourselves long enough, is that something's wrong with me that needs to change. And sure, we'll wrap it in, man, find your strong or what's fit with me or all these, you know, like, you know, stupid, really naive uh, marketing campaigns. But if, if we were to allow ourselves to really look at the truth of our condition, it's a really special time of the year. We collectively kind of go, man, something's wrong with me and something needs to change. This question of who will save me from me. This thought that if I, I can get life right, if I can finally figure it out, that if I get me right, then life is going to get better. But this may just be me. Um, and, and just my kind of own perspective, but I kind of feel like this whole resolution thing has changed even over the last couple years. Uh, that, that where there was this optimism before, that, that if I can get things right, life's really going to take off, is starting to wane a little bit. Uh, maybe this straw poll of only three people being like, I'm going to resolution, um, is, is maybe an anecdotal ev- evidence uh, of this. 
Because uh, we have been for decades, for m- actually all of our adult lives, especially looking um, at our, our relative social demographic and, and, and our, our, our relative affluence and uh, blessing that we have uh, as Americans in what has been a stable culture, largely a stable world, it, it can make sense that things are going to pretty much continue on around me. And if I can just get my little piece of the pie right, then, man, things really take off. And things are changing, aren't they? Like, remember last year, like, the naive, like, tweets going around, like, whew, thank goodness 2020 is over. Now that it's 2021, things are going to be a lot better. Well, yeah, here we are a year later, and that has not worked out all that well. And maybe we stand here now and go, you know what, I'm not so sure that what I really do and improve about me is going to make a difference. That there's too much chaos and the, the, the force is arrayed against me, whether it's this invisible virus that I, I nobody, nobody knows what the heck's going on two and a half years into it that's going to change tomorrow. And, and the, this, this government swing and, and what's happening in our world that's just out of control, things are too big and unstable and scary around me to really think that what I do really is going to change thing much. I think we are right in the middle culturally of this time of despair. I mean, Dan, even in his prayer, was, was referencing that. And, and Justin, uh, man, Jackie, great songs this morning that we are gathered together to talk about and sing about our hope uh, and, and, and the solid ground uh, that we have as followers of Jesus and the solid ground we hold out to our world uh, around us in, in the midst of uh, this absolute and uh, total chaos. And so that's what I want to do this morning together uh, over the next several minutes. That I want to get our feet set for 2022 with the good news, guys, that will hang over literally every millisecond of your coming year. Because here's the good news. It is not hopeless. There is a rescuer. That rescuer is not you. And his rescue is even better than you no. And we're going to do that by, by looking uh, at the letter to the Romans that was written 2,000 years ago, uh, years ago, that holds out exactly the hope that you and I need in the truth that we have in the living Jesus Christ. And this letter is pretty interesting if you really kind of understand the circumstances around why the Apostle Paul was writing to this church in Rome. Uh, see, the letter to the Romans was written to a church uh, that was experiencing ex- really internal divisions. They'd actually been forced to separate from one another, wow, for a period of time. They were coming back together, trying to figure out, now how do we do life together now that we can actually see each other face to face? And that was causing some friction. Externally, they're experiencing these persecutions where the culture's turning against them, and they're in the middle of a society that is just being rocked by this government that was being led by this literally insane emperor Nero just years away uh, from a revolution or revolt that was going to end uh, the dynasty that Emperor Nero was uh, the the last emperor of. This chaos around, this this hatred from without, and this division within is exactly what uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Romans about. 
And so in this letter to the Romans, and what we're going to look at in Romans 8, starting in 15 uh, through the end of the chapter, uh, verse 39, uh, Paul has started this chapter uh, by answering the question or responding to the answer he provides where he says at the end of chapter 7, he's, he's talking about, man, I don't understand why I do what I do in my own life because the things that I know I should be doing, I, I don't do those things. In fact, the things that I hate the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing those things. Man, if I really could get things together in 2022 and just do it right, right? He says, who shall save me from this body of death? Praise be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he goes on at the beginning of the chapter of chapter 8 to say, look, Jesus has not only saved us from the penalty of our sin, Uh, He has actually caused his spirit to live inside of us, to change us, to empower us, to give us a brand new way of being human. So it's not just forgiveness. I now am an agent of life and goodness and hope to this dark and confused world where very literally the, the presence and the power, the spirit of my creator now lives in me and he works through me, and I work through him. And so what he's about to do now is take this good news about our personal rescue and toss it into the context of what is happening in the cosmos, what is happening in history, what is happening in our world around us. And and I don't know about y'all, but I need forgiveness. And I don't know about y'all, but I need a power in me that's going to help me live as a new human that's going to bring life instead of death to the world around me. But the news gets even better. That you and I, as the people of God, the family of God, are active participants with our living God, who's over all things in power and near to us in his presence to bring his life-saving, life-giving reign and rule together with him until he returns to make all things new. Guys, that's 2022 for us. That's what we're about to embark on together. And so we're going to read this letter that gave that hope 2,000 years ago and is true enough and is powerful enough to where we are standing here today in Little Rock, Arkansas, reading these same words because they refer to the truth. You guys ready for that? So y'all can read with me on your phones or close your eyes and listen to the letter read as it would have been read to the original church in Rome as they're unsure uh, about their future, as they're worried uh, about just putting food on the table. And here is the reality of the world that you and I live in because of the presence, power, and goodness of our Creator. Four. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time aren't even worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. For the creation waits in eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. 
For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know... We can see it around us that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, now, now hope that is seen? Well, that's not hope. But for who hopes in what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those who He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. In order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? Christ Jesus, the one who died, more than that, the one who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, no. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I I probably just need to let Paul preach. I'm serious. I've already gotten a little crazier with the cheese whiz than I thought. I don't want to be here all day. I want to go quickly through what we need to see. But this, there's so much here. This is worth putting deep down into our soul for the coming year, isn't it? Come on. Now, what we do see in this real quick, what I do want to help pull, uh, uh, pull out for us as we talk are three things. In this, we see three important things. Hang over 2022. One, we see our help. 
the help that our God is going to give us. He's promised to give us, and he cannot and will not lie. Two, we see our hope. And three, then I want to talk about our how. If these things are true, how do we live in such a way where we see them manifest, brought to light, bring life to every moment of our day in 2022? First, our help, our help of God, the triune God who is living and active. It's the Father that we're going to talk about first. What is the help that Paul talks about here that he gives us? Well, first of all, the Father has adopted us as sons and daughters. Now, guys, the very first thing we need to consider as we're looking at 2022 is whether or not we are entering this year as a slave or as a son. Here's the thing. Uh, following Jesus, this whole Jesus deal, what's put out in front of us, uh, is not easy, but it's very simple in many ways. Either you is or you ain't. And, and not to be stark, that's actually very, very helpful, but the scriptures are very clear. If you are not in Jesus Christ, you are a slave to sin. That's it. There is no other way to be free from this world. There is no other way to be free from the sinful intentions and desires of your heart that brings death to you and those around you other than the living person of Jesus Christ. Trusting in his life, his death, and the resurrection to set you free. So either you is or you ain't. And that puts this room in one of four categories. Those of us there who are like, yeah, like I am not a follower of Jesus. And welcome. Maybe you're checking Jesus out. Maybe you, there's some things in your, your past, in your life. You're like, you know what? I want no part of that. Well, here's, here's the deal. We, we continue to love and offer the truth uh, of Jesus Christ, who is our only hope to set you free. There's also some of us that, think that we're sons, but we're actually slaves. I mean, we've been working hard to impress Jesus. We're actually better than most of the people that we know. So God's got to be pretty impressed with us, and we're trying to stack up all of our good works so that God really likes us and does good things for us, and when it all comes to an end, we go to the good place instead of the bad. Guys, it's Christ alone and not your merit that makes you a son or a daughter. For, for both of those places, here's your hope. Jesus is alive. He either is or he ain't. Either he came 2,000 years ago as a baby, lived a perfect life that you can't live, died the death that your sin uh, deserves before a holy God, and you can look to him and trust him and call on him, and he, because he is alive, not because you checked off a couple theological boxes, but because he's alive and present to take your sins away and reconcile you back to your creator by the Spirit, he can and he will. The answer for everybody in those two camps is just to call out to him. He is alive. Turn away from trusting in yourself and turn to the living person of Jesus Christ. Now, the other two camps are those of us who, I think I'm a son and a daughter, but I'm not sure because I'm a Presbyterian and I'm really freaked out that I am predestined, but I'm out. I'm, I, I just, I keep, I, I want to be a, a son, but I keep doing stuff that sons don't do. My sin, I can't, I feel like I can't get free. I can't, ah, freaking out. I want to be a son. I want to be a daughter, but I'm not sure. Or those of us in this room, you know what? I know. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I know that because I've seen his faithfulness. 
I know that because I've seen his goodness towards me in the midst of my sin, that I get the chance in my sin to declare to him, Jesus, you are better, and I want you, and I know you have made me righteous. I trust you. For both of us in those, those camps, keep living into Jesus, towards Jesus, and the living person of Christ will confirm your sonship, your daughterhood. That spirit will testify to your spirit that you are a son and a daughter, and you will see his kingdom come in your life and through your life. So are you a slave or are you a son? That's the help that the Father gives us first of all. And to those of us who are sons, who are daughters, I mean, three things then that Paul says, he says after this, as he does these things in adoption, he calls you, he justifies you, he glorifies you. Called. That is God who decided, I am going to rescue and redeem not your brilliance, not your worthiness, but the mercy and grace of God. That means a couple things. One, chill out if you're out there trying to impress God to get him to do good things for you. Right? It wasn't your goodness in the beginning that had him draw uh, you to him. It is his mercy. You're his. That also means, too, that you belong 100% to him. Man, he owes you nothing. He's given us everything. And so if you're running around trying to serve two masters, trying to be Jesus God, Jesus gal on the side, uh, while also then serving money or sex or the opinion of others, chill out. He called you. You belong to him. Serve him. You belong to him. He's called you. He did it. Not you. And in calling you, he's justified you. Meaning, he has taken the very eternal perfection of Jesus Christ himself, and he has switched Jesus' record with your record. But Paul says this uh, in another uh, place, that uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he says uh, that for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Jesus, we might become the very righteousness, the very perfection of God. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you are justified, meaning you are as good for eternity as Jesus Christ himself. That is one of the most true things about you. That means that whatever regrets or mistakes or addictions or failures uh, that, that, that you are standing in in the beginning of 2022, right now you are before God as fully right, fully loved, and fully ready before a God who wants to use you wherever you're at right now. And you're going to see, because of your justification, that you are worthy to be glorified where he says in this passage that we are co-heirs with Christ, that he is the firstborn among many brothers, that we share in this mission with him. In Ephesians, Paul says that God raises us up with Jesus and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. To, seat, to be seated is to rule. That, that guys, we're very quick to say that Jesus is Lord. We, we can hang with that, right? He's in charge. We're, we're, we're comfortable with that. But we start getting a little squidgy, a little nervous uh, when we start talking about our glorification in the sense that we, even now, before it's totally completed, are seated with him so that he reigns and rules through us in this world now, and we reign with him now. 
But that's what it means to be a co-heir with Christ. Uh, inheritance in the scriptures is way different than our inheritance, right? Inheritance now is I wait for somebody that I love to die, which is terribly morbid and horrible, but I get the benefits after they are gone, right? Inheritance in the scriptures, I have possession now. I have responsibility now, and I partner with my family to grow what it is that I've been entrusted with. That is the way that we are inheritors with Jesus. It is his world that he has purchased with his life, death, and his resurrection, and he is in the process of making all things new, and you have a slice of that that you have been entrusted with. And so 2022, if you want to be the man and the woman you've been created and redeemed to be, ought to be, can be, should be about you being in partnership with Jesus and his power using you to bring life to that slice of his possession. Your family, your job, your neighbors. Lord Jesus, would your kingdom come that we inherit with you. That is what the Father has done. He has given us this incredible opportunity. And so this is the help that Jesus does. He, he is working to redeem and move in us. I'm, i got to go quick. Uh, he does all of these things because of the help he has given us in his life and his death, his atoning sacrifice to take away our sin, and the fact that he lives now. Paul says even more so he is alive to be known and to redeem and to rescue. That in 2022, Jesus, who is reigning, who is interceding for you with the Father, who, who is looking over all these things, wants uh, to use you uh, to give you and those around you a glimpse of what it looks like for him to be in charge. For there to be life and love and patience, fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is how your Lord in the midst of this chaos wants to use you. That's how you will experience true life in him. See, not only does he give us these things, but the last help he is, he is active to love us. And not a sappy like, oh, I saw Adam, he sure is a great guy, sure love him. Uh, but, but no, the, the, the love of God is, is, is the real solid love that Dan talks about all the time. Uh, we, we're all about, right, let us be loved and love. And love, as Dan says over and over again, is the process of meeting our needs. Because Jesus is alive. He is continually meeting the core needs of our soul. That is true of 2022. That is what he promises to do. And it's the Spirit, it's the help of the Spirit that delivers all these things to us. Sorry, Spirit, had to skip, running out of time. Man, just keep being in here at the help that our God has given us that brings us to our hope. There's four things I think we see in here uh, where we have our hope. First of all, is, is that uh, in this midst of this world that is groaning, uh, where, where we need hope in all of this darkness, is that this pain is accomplishing something. This suffering, this confusion is not pointless. We see in verse 18 that is leading to our glorification. That, that our current experience of God's glory as he uses us in 2022 to bring light into the darkness uh, is what this struggle, what this is all about. 
Uh, second of all, uh, not only is this not pointless, it, it, this, this uh, suffering and darkness is accomplishing something in the hand of God, that you and I are exactly where we're supposed to be. Not, not an accident. So he foreknew you. He called you just as you are, precisely where you are at, so you can join with Jesus to do all that you can with him to set your inheritance, what you've been entrusted with, your slice of creation free from the bondage of corruption that it's underneath. Again, it starts with you, and that pours out into our families, to our neighbors our co-workers, uh, the excellence that we do at our job to deliver through those things, uh, either firewood uh, or financial planning. Th- those are ways in which we are exactly positioned for this current moment in the sovereignty of God. Great hope. Third, God's presence and power is right there with us. We see in this text, he is suffering with us, helping us in our weakness, joining us in our groaning, fighting for us, more than conquering then through our struggle and suffering and doubt. That 2022 can be the year that we are with Jesus and we get to rule through suffering like Jesus. And finally, our hope that we see in this is that there is a glorious end. This shall all pass, right? This painful growing, groaning, uh, this, this enslavery uh, to corruption, these pains, Paul says, are not just any old pains. They are the pains of childbirth. Now, I've seen natural labor twice. I am so glad I'm a man. And my sweet, amazing wife uh, because of the situation that our family was in, that our first two were only six months apart, dudes are like, that's really close. Women are like, how did that happen? Um, because we had a six-month-old who was wonderful and very active, knew that when our son was going to come, our biological son was going to be born, we can't be having any C-sections or epidurals to mess around with your know, mama having to be mama, right? So we go to get coached up. Uh, for this natural childbirth. We need to help. We're terrified. We don't know what we're doing. My wife's a hero. And and we we contracted with this birth specialist who was wonderful and great and good and super helpful and crunchier than than we are. She, again, she was awesome. So this is not a a knock on her, just an illustration so you can join me in the story. (laughs) She named her firstborn Cedar Waxwing and told us that Though she loves being a, a birth coach, her real passion and career is in stilting. And by stilting, what I mean is walking on stilts. So I, I don't know how you track a career progression or how she's doing with that, but that, again, setting the stage. And kind of the primary thing about this birth coaching is that she told my wife, basically you and a badger are exactly the same thing. And what you're going to do is you are going to go into your burrow when it's time to give birth, and you are just going to get animal, right? And what you're going to do, one of the things that's going to help, and we kind of giggle a little bit about some of the methods that she was giving us, and the one we kind of laughed hardest about was she says, when you are in the intensity of labor, use your vowels. What you need to do is you need, as a mantra, to chant at the top of your lungs the vowels in the alphabet and then say, get out. 
We giggled. We thought it was so funny. It was ridiculous. So she goes into labor, yes, with Rex, who pretty much came into the world exactly as he exists in it now. Um, and she has been laboring for hours. But she finally gets to that point where, and some of you women in here know this, I, I was newly exposed, when you get to what's called a nine, then the contractions really become contractions. And I'm there with her sister. We're helping her through this labor. And it's been difficult, but all of a sudden, bam! Those contractions hit, and we hear, A-E-I-O-U! Get out! It was hilarious. But we could not laugh. It was hilarious after the fact. And then that pain was intense, and the fear was incredible, and the experience was absolutely horrible. But then when Rex came, all of that pain, all of that fear, all of that worry is gone because there is a new life. Guys, the pains that we are in the middle of, as intense as they are, have a glorious end. Whatever is difficult, whatever is hard, whatever is scary about 2022 will end up, if you are a son or a daughter of God, as we lean into him with you knowing Jesus more and making him glorious and him using you to bring life to the world around you. And that is just a foretaste of what's coming at the end. What is at the end is when he returns, and evil and death and pain is vanquished forever, and we are in the presence of life himself for all eternity, ruling and reigning with him. And it is our suffering that will get us there. There's a glorious end. And and that's right. And where we are at is accomplishing that end too. So quickly, how? If those things are true, how do I leave here at 11.15 and have, well, 11.20, um, <laughs> and, and, and have this have any kind of relevance or power in my life? I was reading back over the text a, a, a minute ago uh, before this, and, and it struck me, I never caught this before, that one of the things Paul talks about not separating us from the love of Christ is life. Man, life, a lot of times, is my greatest enemy, actually uh, encountering and knowing the love of God. You know what our how is, guys? Our how in all of this help that the living God brings to us through Jesus Christ, of all the hope that we have because he is true and does not lie, the how becomes you and I in 2022 becoming convinced that neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will separate us from the love of God. Now, that's, that's easy to say. All right, get convinced. Think really hard about it and think that it's really true. That's not the way being convinced works, does it? The way I get convinced is that I need truth. I need information, and then I need experience, and that stuff's actually true, right? And that's what it means to live by faith, live by trust. Dan, I'll tell you, if you go through two or two, what what discipleship following after Jesus looks like means repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. Those are my steps. I mean, I don't trust Jesus. That's my repentance. So I got to turn around. I got to trust Jesus. And, and, man, that faith is I walk towards him in trust. 
Now, I gotta go real quick, obviously, but that sheet in front of you is the tool that we are going to use this year together at Central Hope to become convinced that nothing will separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Because remember what the love of God is, is not an emotional love. It is the meeting of our deepest needs. And this picture in front of us is to represent what the scriptures say. It's that the response that we have to our circumstances. These two trees are a picture of two different trees responding to the same circumstance of the heat coming down. One bears the thorns of death, and the other bears fruit in every season. And the difference in the responses to their circumstances has everything to do with where they are rooted. That is how you and I, as image bearers of God, work. Our response to our circumstances, 100% of the time, merely reveals where we are rooted. What we trust in to meet the deepest of our needs. And where we respond to our circumstances in sinful, death-bringing ways. Ways in which are not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Well, there we know with 100% certainty that we are trusting in something or someone other than Jesus to meet our deepest needs. Uh, Those deepest needs on the back, those are the things that Dan preached on this fall, and we're going to keep talking about them as the core needs of the human heart. And we are continually trying to get created things to give us what only Jesus can give us. So to become convinced, we've got to realize, one, our entire life has this root-fruit relationship. The way we respond simply reveals what it is that we trust. And second of all, But we also have to realize uh, uh, that the faithfulness, the the meaning of needs, the love of God is nowhere for us but now. Is nowhere for us but here. And so for all the things that 2022 might be, of all the things that you like to see changed, all you have is now. And you and I, trusting in Jesus to be all that he is, to meet all that we need, have the opportunity by our actions to trust that he is enough in this moment. Real quick, where there's bad fruit in my life, it ultimately is because I believe that I don't have what I need. All right, so if you look, I happen to yell at my kids sometimes. I don't know about y'all, but I yell at my kids. It's not love. It's not joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control. But in that moment, what I believe is that I don't have enough control of my children. And so in a flash, I think, if I can just yell loud enough this one time and scare them bad enough, they will never misbehave again. And it never works. It never works. And I damage them. Uh, I break relationships. I don't steward these sweet souls that Jesus has given to me. And it's because I functionally in that moment don't believe that Jesus is in control of my family now, of, of, of the future of my children, and out of that unbelief, here my sin comes. Fight to believe in that moment he is in control. Not because of time, we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. We're going to drive this deep, both in our community groups and, and in other resources we'll have to expose ourselves uh, to, to how we can shape discipleship around this understanding of life. But that's what we have to lay in front of us now. 
that we have a God who meets the deepest of our needs, and he is powerful over all the chaos that we have in this world around us, and he is present because he loves us in his grace and his mercy right now. That in 2022, we have the opportunity to find that Jesus is always enough and ultimately better than anything else. So I'm looking forward to living into this hope together as a family here at Central Hope and seeing God by his grace bring other people that don't know that hope, that power yet, that desperately need it uh, into this life, uh, this new creation that he's begun in us and with us and through us. And he is so good. And so let's fight to trust that in every moment as we go together. So let me pray. So Jesus, thank you that you are alive and you are present and you are good and you are sufficient for all things. That we are convinced, not because we're good at believing those things, but because you have promised these things and you cannot and will not lie. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from your love, Jesus, uh, that you pour out for the Father to us by the Spirit. Help us, Jesus, to believe that, experience its truth, and grow in that in this coming year. We need you. Our world needs you. By your grace, help us to stand right in the middle of that and see your kingdom come here in 2022 to your glory and our joy. Amen.